0: without my sermon, which is kind of important. Thank you, honey. I want to, uh, I want to thank Bernice personally, because it says I'm the special speaker today on the, on the service order. It's nice to feel special once in a while. She's pretty good to me. Many of us know about uh, the prophet Samuel, and I am I hearing an echo in here? It sounds like I'm in a cave. Is it a mo- the monitor? Okay. Yeah. I don't even like caves that much. <laughs> most, of us, most of us know about the, something about the life of Samuel, what an incredible man he was, and God's uh, hand of anointing upon his life, and how he led Israel for years and years, and it was he who was called to anoint a king for Israel, and and he anointed Saul, and then later David, because Saul was not true to God's call in his life. And, and um, just in a pretty incredible character um, in the Scripture. But the passage that Gail read for us this morning takes us to an earlier place in Samuel's life. And he wasn't quite there where we think of him normally being, as just great man of God who was this prophet. And he's a boy that's serving under the, the priest Eli in the house of God. And there's this incident that happens, and we see from this, Samuel shows us that sometimes it's hard to know God's voice. I heard a story about a person up north, I don't know where that's supposed to be, maybe they're referring to Wyoming or Montana or Minnesota or someplace like that, but a person up north who decided they wanted to try ice fishing, so he went out and cut a hole in the ice, and just then he heard a loud voice say, there are no fish under the ice. Amazed at hearing a voice speaking to him, he wondered if it was God. He finally cons- convinced himself that he'd imagined hearing the voice, so he drilled, tried drilling another hole in another spot, and again he heard the voice, There are no fish under the ice. So he asked, Is that you, God? To which he heard the reply, No, this is the ice rink manager. I've made reference reference to this before, and you've probably had the same experience. But there are times when someone calls me on the phone, they begin a conversation, and because I don't recognize the voice, I have to interrupt and ask, who is this? Because they don't identify themselves. Usually when this happens, I'm thinking that this is someone who knows me and that I should know, but I can't figure out who the voice belongs to. You've been there, haven't you? I guess that's better than somebody greeting you, and you're thinking I should know you But It's better than the face-to-face thing, maybe. Well, I, I I think this same kind of thing, this call, you know, who's on the other end of the line, happens to us sometimes when God calls. Like Gail said, the phone rang again. He has something to say to us, but we don't recognize his voice, and we ask ourselves, who is this? Or maybe because we're afraid of God, of what God might have to say, we know it's Him. We choose to ignore our voice, His voice. Or we say to ourselves something like this, That sounds like God, but it must not be because I don't think He'd ever ask me to do that. You know what I'm saying? Now, let me be clear here. Uh, w- in regards to the last statement, I'm not talking about God telling you to do something that would contradict Scripture. God would never do that. What I'm talking about is God telling you to, telling you to do something that you don't feel adequate or equipped for, or maybe it's something that you never thought you would do or isn't, as, you say, as we say, in your wheelhouse. Well, God wouldn't ask me to do that. So we, we, we have trouble hearing or maybe deciphering, is this really God speaking to me or not? Jed Harris, producer of Our Town and other plays, became convinced that he was losing his hearing. He went to a specialist who gave him a thorough checkup. The doctor pulled out a gold watch and asked, can you hear this ticking? Harris said, of course. The specialist walked to the door and held up the watch again. Now can you hear it? Harris concentrated and says, yeah, I can hear it clearly. The doctor walked out the door into the next room and said, can you hear it now? Harris said, yes. The doctor said, Mr. Harris, there's nothing wrong with your hearing. You have simply quit listening. Yeah, ouch. A little background on this scripture this morning. At the time of the incident in this story, most commentators feel that Samuel was probably about 12 years old. You know, it's not unusual for God's first call on our lives to come at a young age. It is a call to salvation and a relationship with Him through what His Son Jesus did for us. Through His sacrificial death on the cross, I want you to enter into relationship with me. That's God's first call on our lives. That's where it starts. Some... Some of us, maybe many of us, came to faith in Jesus' children. I don't know. I don't know all of your stories. Others did not hear God's call until they were older. But I assure you of this, God calls people of all ages. We are never too young, nor will we ever be too old for God to call us. God's first call that I answered came to me as a 16-year-old teenager. You know, that old thing about God has, does, has children, He doesn't have grandchildren. In other words, I was, I kind of rode on my parents' coattails up to that point. His call to full-time ministry came to me at age 35. So God calls us at different points in our lives. He calls us to salvation. He calls us to obedience. He calls us to service. He calls us to ministry. He calls us to witness, whatever it may be. But God talks to us. And notice how Samuel responded to the voice that he thought was Eli's, especially as noted in verse 5 where it says, and he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. See, Samuel was ready to respond to the voice. Because of his servant heart, he immediately ran to respond to the voice that called to him in the night. Which is not always something we like to do. You know, get up in the middle of the night. Oh, man. But see... Even though he responded immediately, Samuel was having difficulty understanding who was calling. Verse 7 tells us that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So he'd served God in the temple... And, and which says to us, he knew about God, but he didn't have a personal relationship. He had not yet had a personal encounter with God. So, that being considered in the fact that it says the word of the Lord and visions weren't coming very often in that day, you could say, well, there, there's probably a good reason why Samuel didn't recognize that this was God talking to him. God on the end or other end of the line at that point. Most of us, though, would not have that excuse. I would dare say that if you've been a Christian for any time at all, God has probably spoken to you numerous times. Rick Warren, the pastor of Saddleback Church, has said, we often miss hearing God's voice simply because we aren't paying attention. That's a problem that happens, I think, a lot in the world that we have because there are a lot of things that distract us. I remember reading one time about, um, what, what do we call it? Um, how people in our culture tend to avoid quietness. We just, we need something all the time, some kind of input. And for a lot of people, I think they're afraid of what they'll hear when it does get quiet. Let me also say that we often miss hearing God's voice simply because there are those other things that occupy our minds. I guess you could say we have a lot of other phones ringing. Well, I have a tendency to remember when phones ring. They don't always ring anymore, do they? Sometimes they play a tune or they make weird sounds or they go ooga or whatever you choose. And let's be honest, it can be risky to hear God speak. It can change our lives if we listen. Because no matter the details of the call, God always calls us away from self and selfishness. Here's what I, I want you to do. Fortunately for Samuel, there was Eli. Someone wiser and more experienced had helped him realize who the voice was that he was hearing. And when he was made aware of who was calling, he was also made aware of how he should answer. And the next time God called, he did answer and he said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And Samuel grew up to be the spiritual leader of the nation of Israel. And verse 19 says, The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. Do you know what they're talking about there? Everything Samuel prophesied came true. You know, there, um, there were a lot of false prophets through Israel's history. In Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 21 and 22, it says the truth, the fulfillment of a prophet's words are the test of the fact that they are a true prophet or not. In other words, if they come true, if the prophecy is fulfilled, we know that this is a prophet of God. If what they say actually happens, they are a true prophet. If, they do, if it doesn't, then they are a fraud. And the penalty for that wasn't very pleasant. So because Samuel learned to recognize the voice of God when God spoke to him, then when he spoke to the people, it was what God intended for him to speak. And none of his words fell to the ground. So that brings us to this question. How do we answer when God calls us? Well, I think we answer just like Samuel did. Speak, for your servant is listening. And what we need to understand is that your servant is listening implies more than just hearing what is said. For a servant... For a servant, it also means, I will do what you tell me to do, because that's what servants do. Right? That's what servants do. They do what the Master tells them to do. Even if it isn't what they want to hear, or even if it isn't in their wheelhouse, or even if it isn't their favorite thing, or even if they don't feel adequate or equipped, or the, the list of excuses go, go on and on, I will do what you tell me to do, because that's what servants to do. Speak, for your servant is listening. And I think in this passage that we're looking at today, there are some things here that help us hear Things in this passage that we see in the life of Samuel at this point that help us here. And the first is this, a servant's heart. And I've just kind of made reference to that. Samuel had a servant's heart. And God speaks to and uses servants. Eli tells Samuel, the next time you hear your name being called, respond with, speak for your servant is listening. And Eli is choosing a very specific phrase here. It's something that a servant or slave would say to their master. In other words, tell me what you want me to do. That's what a servant would say. And with this response, Samuel, in essence, is saying to God, My will is neutral here, it's not about my will. Lord, it doesn't matter what I want or don't want. All that matters is what you want. Your will be done. And that's the right attitude to have in order to open yourself up to hearing God speak. That's what the Virgin Mary said to the angel when she... Told that When she was told that she would give birth to the Messiah, she simply replied, May it be to me as you have said. Whatever, God. It's fine with me. Barbara Taylor, in her book, When God is Silent, writes that prayer should be less, Lord, hear our prayers, and more, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Boy, I get into that mode. Lord, hear my prayers. I don't nearly as often say, Lord, speak for your servant is listening. And if you can make your will neutral in a matter and trust God with whatever the outcome, you are listening then with a servant's heart. And when God calls us to something specific, it is only an extension of the natural result of the place of a servant that we already fill. That's what servants do. And even if it's something specific, we say, yes, Lord, I will. So, it helps us hear God if we come to him with a servant's heart. The second thing that helps us hear God is this. Time in God's house. Time in his house Samuel was in God's house continually. It's a good place for us to spend time as well. In God's house, we were exposed to His Word. And, and we've said, I've said this before, we most consistently hear God speak to us through His Word, don't we? I mean, I've never had a Samuel experience where I heard the audible voice of God. Sid. would probably scare me if I did. (laughs) But I've heard Him speak to me a lot through the Scripture. I hear Him speak to me consistently through the Scripture. In God's house, we're exposed to His Word and we see and hear of opportunities for service. And we then have the opportunity to participate in that service. We experience the presence of God in a unique way for God has promised that wherever two or three are gathered in His name, He is there with them. It is in the house of God that we hear God speak to us through our worship of Him. As we sing His praises, as we give, as we pray, as we fellowship with one another, as we get into the Word and, 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 and kind of break it down and learn more of Him through our Sunday school classes, those times of education. And even as someone like me gets up in front of you and preaches a sermon, I trust that you hear God speaking to you when I do this. That's the intent. And sometimes... We hear God speak to us through other members of the body as they speak into our lives. Which takes us to the next point. Something else that helps us hear the voice of God is the wisdom of godly people. Brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, mature believers. See, that was the advantage we know Eli had some issues. If you read the scriptures around this passage, you'll understand that Eli had some issues. But Eli had been a man who had walked with and served God for a long, long time. And he, he finally figured out what was going on here. And he was able to speak that then into Samuel's life. If you read the passage that I had Gail skip this morning, you'll discover that the message that God had for Samuel was actually a message for Eli. Not one that Samuel wanted to share with him very badly. That was a message of judgment. But, because Eli had been this man of God for years, and probably served God faithfully in many ways, it was just the way he had erred with his own family, and his, his failure to discipline his own sons that had brought judgment upon himself and his family. But he knew then when Samuel came to him these times that there's something going on here and it's the voice of God and here's Samuel how you need to respond. So having available the godly wisdom of others, pastors, trusted mature believers who have walked with God and that you respect and look up to helps us sometimes hear the voice of God as we're struggling with that. These are people who will pray for you and with you and genuinely desire that you know and live out the will of God for your life. I trust that that's what we want for one another as God's people. They can draw from their knowledge of the Scripture and their own experience in hearing the voice of God and give godly counsel. They are a second set of eyes on a situation and may be able to provide a perspective that we have not seen. Boy, that's valuable stuff. I think that's one of the reasons why the Church of the Nazarene has uh, church boards. It's not just about me making all the decisions But it's those extra voices, those extra sets of eyes. I may think, you know, I've got this great idea and this is what we're going to do. And, but there are other people who say, have you thought about this? And it's like, oh, boy, I hadn't thought about that. That's a valuable, valuable thing. And so it's, it's the wisdom of godly people that can help us decipher. Hear the voice of God in our lives. And I want to focus then for a minute on why does God talk to us in the first place? Why would God speak to his people in this day and this time? Well, I'll tell you why. It's about the harvest. Ultimately, it's about the harvest. That's why he calls us to obedience and service. It's about the harvest. I, you know, I, I think it's interesting as you read uh, sometimes in the, in the New Testament, Jesus didn't necessarily identify sin as the problem with his disciples. He, in fact, had a plan for dealing with the sin problem himself. Didn't he? He looked around and saw all the needs and did not say the problem was drugs or alcoholism or self-centeredness or sexual immorality or bad attitudes. Now, I'm not saying that those aren't problems, but he looked at the harvest and said that the problem was that there were not enough workers to do all the work. See, those problems exist out there, and we have an answer for those problems. But the problem is there are not enough of us sharing those answers. It's not to deny that those things don't exist and there isn't sin in our world. But when it comes to the body of Christ, the issue is not enough people are picking up the sickle and going out to harvest the grain that's ready. And Jesus said, it's ready. Right? That's what he said. It's ready. But we just don't have enough people that are out there doing the work that needs to be done. See, this whole desperate situation of a lack of harvester was enough to bring Jesus and his disciples to their knees. He urged his disciples. This is prayer. Prayer. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. That's a problem that exists for the church. In other words, get on your knees and pray, and then expect God to answer and respond when you do that. But also be willing to say, speak, for your servant is listening. Because the answer to the problem might be you. Remember, speak for your your servant is listening. That's a risky thing to say. You better be ready for the answer, whatever it might be. So Jesus urged his disciples to pray. Pray for those in need. Pray for workers to meet the need. Pray that God will use you to meet the need. And there are things we need to understand about the harvest. Here's why that prayer is so important. Number one, it's valuable. It's eternally valuable. It's inestimably valuable. You can't estimate the value of it there. Number two, it must be gathered or it will be lost. If you know anything about harvest, if it stays in the field too long, it's no good anymore. I remember going to visit my grandparents in north-central Florida when I was in junior high school. And they lived out in the country, and the guy, there was a field across the street from them that had been planted in watermelons. And um, it hadn't been harvested soon enough, so the melons were still all in the field. Now, that was a treat for us, because we could go across the street and pick any melon we wanted and cut it open and eat the heart out and go to the next one. But it wasn't very good for the guy who was supposed to be doing the harvesting. Because he missed a crop. It must be gathered or it will be lost. And the third thing is, it's urgent. It's urgent. It needs to happen. Now. The harvest is plentiful and ripe. The workers are few. There is a desperate need for more. And so God is speaking to us. And listen, when God calls you, it may not always be, I want you to become an evangelist. I want you to become a pastor. I want you to teach a Sunday school class. He may say, I want you to get involved in packing hope meals. Do you think that can be part of harvesting? I do. He may say, I want you to get involved in children's ministry. He may say, I want you to get involved in ministry to teenagers. Who knows what he'll call you to. But see, it's all part of the process of bringing in the harvest. And there's a desperate need. So, will you recognize his voice? Will you say, speak for your servant is listening? Ultimately, obedience and service to God are about the harvest. Now, I'm not saying that's sometimes God says to you, I need you to do something, I want to do something in your own life so that you're able to be a harvester. That's the first step. Remember, I talked about God's first call? Come to Jesus. That's the first call. You need to be in relationship with me, and once you are, and once I've done a work in your life, then I'm going to call you to be involved in some way in the harvest. Recognizing the voice of God, because we have a message that we are supposed to share with people there is a Savior. His name is Jesus. He knows you. He loves you. He died for you. And he has promised you life that's truly life and life that is eternal. And you can experience a kind of freedom in this life that you've never known before. Glorious freedom. Wonderful freedom. Speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. I'd like those of us who will be serving this morning, serving us communion to...